I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome everybody to Roll to Cast. This is the uh, the postseason transmission. This is the uh, the wrap up episode for this year, season eight. That you've uh, probably, hopefully, please say you've finished it before you've come to this episode. No, no I've skip just skip around. I've just got it on random. Start here. Start here. <laughs> for those that are unaware, this is kind of our our, our chance to debrief to talk about the season that was uh, amongst ourselves, favorite moments, least favorite moments, questions we may have but also questions you may have we are we we've extended this transmission uh sent our own little beacon out and we've asked for you to ask your little question poos and that's what we're going to be doing here today oh how cute <laughs> how's everyone feeling good 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 oh, we've been we've been pretty, hard at it today pretty wiped to be honest yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so we have been recording the net the following season can we announce at the end of this episode mm. Uh, what the yeah, sure. Because yeah. uh, I think by this time, people will know. Yeah, and if you don't the know, people will know. If you don't know, hang out to the end of this episode, and our our, our new our new GM Ellen, <gasps> whose turn it is, will oh, reveal. Oh, we'll reveal couldn't get everything. Brennan Lee Mulligan. Fuck. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe next time. The, be- I love it. <laughs> the next thing we'll do. <laughs> He's doing season ten. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah. Stay tuned. But this is this is Starfinder, baby. Um, and I and I think one of the first things that we can we can talk to and talk about and uh, talk with is our brand new cast member for this season in Karma. Woo! Yeah, I was gonna say, speak for yourselves. I haven't been here all day. I've just gotten here. So <laughs> I'm and uh, speak for ourselves. We did. <laughs> I think I'm a little more. With it? Is that yeah. okay to say? Is it okay lucid, to that's say? The word. So yes. from that experience of lucidity, what was it like playing with us on Roll the Cast? Yeah, coming into this whole 
because it's one thing to like play with a new group mm. and like a new system, mm-hmm. but this was that plus being recorded in perpetuity <laughs> until for yeah. long after you die, forever <laughs> and ever. Yeah, it was like a lot of those layers, but I think I mean it wasn't the first time that I've I've role played with you guys, so it was no, it yeah. was okay from that aspect. I was gonna say, what came first, us role playing casually together, or the scene? Did we start Starfinder first? Like we what was the crossover? Mouse guard, right? We did Mouse Guard. We did Mouse Guard. Remember what came first? We did Mouse Guard almost in preparation for this season. That's yeah. right. To get to get Karma kind of acclimated to how we as uh, mm-hmm. uh, to the group. I was gonna say a foursome, and that's probably wrong. Acclimated to this foursome. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. So I think that made it. You know, that made it easy in terms of, like, I know you guys, personality and all of that was pretty straightforward and none of that was a surprise to me. But definitely the fact that it was being recorded was the one hurdle for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was cool with learning the system. I was cool with all of that. Um, but constantly just forgetting that, that that was kind of the the goal was to, you know, step one, speak into the mic. <laughs> like, yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that was, like, the last Harder thing on my mind. So, honestly, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, tell me about it. So that was kind of, like, the last always the last thing on my mind and then I would suddenly remember and be like, oh God, I have to, you know, think about that. It's an entertainment product. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of thanks, fun. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. I think you were great. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. It's always wonderful to have like a, a, a new guest on Rollcast because it brings this fresh air in mm. this dank, dusty fucking studio. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, because we all do know each other and know how we kind of inherently play and, and, and all of that. But then having you come into the studio it's just like oh such a rush of energy yeah yeah just it feels so fun and I, yeah i love having guests it's kind of interesting to think about like what could have been as well because i know that uh, the yosoki wasn't your initial uh character pitch because i know initially you you've thought about potentially playing an android before oh before, what um, <laughs> Yeah, before um, before Ellen had um, had taken the role of yeah. um, Andrew, I remember you talked potentially about Dibs. flirting with that. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, was, I, was, I guess I was going to ask as well: Do you gravitate to sci-fi stories uh, very often, or is this kind of outside of your comfort zone in terms of the kind of stories or media you engage with? Like, kind of, what's your flirtation with sci-fi, and especially after the fact, now that you've done it? Yes, for sure. I think that's honestly why um, I was immediately drawn to playing an android because I do really like sci-fi and it's one of my favourite genres in general. And so that is instantly kind of the most sci-fi option. Mm. Um, And I think that's why I was drawn to it straight away. I I was thinking about it and I just didn't have any strong inclinations of like a particularly character or personality that went along with that. Like I liked the idea of it, but there wasn't much else going on. And then when I was looking through the races and I was reading about Yosokis, I was like, oh, there's immediately a picture in my head of who this guy is. And so it became very easy to flesh that out. And so I switched I switched tactics pretty early on after starting to read the the kind of source book. So I know no one picked Vesk, which was actually the biggest surprise to me. I was so really? sure. I was so sure Phil was going to pick a Vesk. A big Big, they're the big, big, angry big lizard, lizard folk. Big lizard man. Yeah. Big yeah. militaristic lizard folk. No, I needed another robot companion. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Which has got nothing to do with your race. I could have been a, a Vesk yeah, en- you engineer. Yeah, yeah, you could have still mechanic. been an engineer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, no, I, I found I found the, the telepathic bugs to be most interesting from a sort of from a from a sci-fi perspective I love sci-fi as well and I love uh, I love the kind of you know strange new worlds kind of aspect of it and so uh, the kind of curious 
uh, collaborative uh, idea behind the the um, Sheeran really appealed to me. And I know for for Ellen, for you as well, one thing that you you'd kind of you'd been very open about is that this is like one of your like least prepped seasons in terms of the way you approach the character. Oh yeah, which I always found like <laughs> interesting because obviously sounds I sounds unprofessional of me to say. But are you uh, kidding there me? This is, is. One of, this is easily my least prepared season as uh, a GM. Like comparatively to show. Pulp Cthulhu, this is far and away a, a, a very underprepped season in terms of how I approached it. But I was kind of curious, like how how that. <laughs> I mean, not only uh, uh, affected your stress levels, but also because you are the you are the protagonist of this story. Like, yeah, it's like part of story. It was one thing to be like, uh, you know, have the conversation. Hey, hey, Sean, I'm 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 really swamped with with other projects. You know, like um, I'm coming up towards fringe time, and I'm doing my own solo show, and uh, you know, all of these other projects kind of coinciding. So it's just it's going to be very like I, I've got a main idea, and that's where everything kind of hinges on. Like that's going to make me decide my race. That's going to make me decide like my class and and all of the kind of role play it's just going to follow on that really 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 strong idea and then you're like oh i'm thinking um this is going to be your character's like story you're going to be the protagonist i was like cool, well, cool. <laughs> no worries uh i've d- deliberately picked a character that's got a very flat like effect and um uh, is learning about it, like emotions on the fly. Cool. <laughs> no well, that means you've got worries. the most room to grow, right? So, and yeah. it very much felt that yeah. kind of like, you know, the old cliche of like sometimes the protagonist, especially in a video game, is the most, like, not that your character was boring, but it yeah. is like the most, like, flat, easy character because you're meant to impose yourself onto the main character of a video game. That's the idea, right? Yeah. But it was, it was so cool, especially from a sci fi setting, to go, oh, here's a character that literally is learning as they go mm. which is kind of what also was the impulse for me to uh, instigate the conflict that I did which is what if they weren't aware of their past and mm. what if things had happened to them without their consent without their knowledge yeah um, yeah you definitely had the most to be learning throughout the season which I think worked for that yeah where I feel yeah it feels po- pointing across the table this is the one I want to know about yeah <laughs> where, Let's get like, the where, was, where was the origin for this this unholy devotion to to a dark power. Where I, did that come from? I would love to know about this from Chris as well because what's funny is Chris and I did not collaborate on this. You I didn't. basically okay. I gave everyone carte blanche to come up with the character that they wanted to come up with. Yeah. And it was only after like Chris was the final piece of the puzzle because I was struggling on exactly where I was going to go in terms of where the antagonistic conflict would settle on. Mm. And as soon as Chris was like, "Oh, I'm a member of the Cult of Devourer." I was like, "Oh, fucking perfect." Because I know the cult of a devourer. I just don't know how you know the cult mm. of a devourer. So, yeah, I'm curious about this too. Uh, this is probably one of the characters I've spent the most amount of time on, uh, the most amount of research, the most amount of, like, voice practice. Um, Zahak's voice was not supposed to sound as it sounded, but I, I picked something and went with it. But I, I spent probably... This is... Uh, and Karma and I uh, are dating, and so it was a really a big joy to be able to bring my boyfriend into the podcast and and collaborate with him. So there was a lot of consideration for how those characters were supposed to work. And when you've built character background with another uh, another player, both of you kind of trust each other to have justified decisions and to have comprehensive like understanding of how they're going to work. 
right? There's no sense in having characters who are on side with each other. If you're constantly having to discover what your character is going to do in that moment, you kind of have to know it so that you can rely on each other so that they can build like camaraderie there. There's that built-in background already ready to go. Exactly. Because otherwise, what's the point, right? If you're still discovering your own character and you've got a partner, then you aren't... Uh, then they have nothing to work with. Yeah. Right. So you have to be kind of uh, strong in that in that mode. And I remember Sean uh, in the pre-discussion discussing the influences for the game. Yeah. Right. And and we had this conversation in pre-production before we all recorded before any of our like episode zero before chat. the preseason. Yeah. Chat. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, was Sean saying? Oh, it's a bit like Firefly, and it's a bit like. Mass Effect and I know Sean and Ellen have played uh, Dragon Age and Mass Effect and and the kind of Bioware series right they're fairly familiar with those Bioware series and I drew influence from the first Bioware game that is kind of popularized the series and kind of set a lot of precedents which is Baldur's Gate 1 in Baldur's Gate 1 uh, you leave your kind of like native town as your, your protagonist and you meet two people along the path and they're fucking evil. They're just yeah, yeah. bad people. Okay. But because the game is set out in such a way, they they appear to be good people. You you inherently trust them. Right? So you can you bring are, them on board. You bring them into your party. They're like the first team that you, yeah. you get, uh, along with uh, another person that you grew up with, right? She's kind of like your thief. And then you meet these two people. They give you healing potions. Yeah. They, they say, hello, hi, welcome, what are you here for? Yeah, and yeah. if you're a smart, savvy person, you go into their backstory and you see that they're evil. But if you're not, they're just two people that you've picked up along the way. And oh, so sounds I, familiar. Right? And so, <laughs> yeah. hey, we've all been there. It's all coming together now. And so I was very aware of the fact that, A, I wanted to play those characters. One of them is a wizard, one of them is a spellcaster, and one of them uh, a human spellcaster, and one of them is a halfling uh, fighter rogue. Uh, and I was like, okay, Karma seems to be leaning towards this rogue sort of character. I can play this kind of, uh, the the kind of, uh, what is it? The big to your small, the kind of like, uh, there's the kind of anti- yeah. antithetical. The serious to my mm. yeah. batshit crazy. To the batshit yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so uh, all of that the was kind of. steady to your bebop. There you go. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so all of that was kind of fitting in together. And I'm like, great, cool. This is a, a reasonable character. I stole the voice from John Irenicus from um, Bowler's Gate 2. And I was Could like, you? cool, 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 cool. This is all tracking. And I was like, well, is that going to be fun to play with? Is playing just a flat-out evil character going to be fun to play with? And I was like, yes, because he doesn't have to be evil. Like, all the time. Well, and this is sort of the thing, and the promise I made to myself was that we have a protagonist, and we kind of established that fairly early. I was like, my character is going to be entirely malleable to them. Right. Because in the Bioware games... When you as the protagonist go out and talk to your like party members, whether you're like, you know, in Dragon Age and you're campfiring and you give them gifts yeah. or you chat to them, or you're in like uh, 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 Mass Effect or whatever, um, you can convince them to change their alignment, to yeah. shift their perspective. And so I was like, oh, great, I'll be that character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the concept was I'll play a nihilist, I'll play a young nihilist because Zahak is really, really young, he's quite naive. And he's flexible to, to the party. The party needs a healer. There we go. That's a character. Hell so yeah. what was your history, the two of you? Because we never kind of no, we dug picked, it out of you. It, it, yeah, it was seemed like the no wrong answers picked you up as a kind of pair. You had had your own history together, just as Clink and Arda kind of had their own, you know. So we never quite got the full... We know you're a criminal. Cool well, yes. sketching there, yeah. Yeah, I... Basically, I started by 
because we built our characters kind of together, but I finished mine first, and I kind of have built this backstory of basically a, a speed run of his whole his whole yeah. life of like Agaton, and then going to several other locations, you know, being caught by several different... Versailles. Government, yeah, going to Versailles, um, kind of fucking things up there, being chased out uh, off the planet by their government and then fleeing to the diaspora where obviously he eventually became uh, a free captain for a while. And then it wasn't until Chris had finished building Zahark that we talked about why they were drawn to each other in the first place, which we ended up falling on it being because... Pinch is so unpredictable and chaotic. He he's I mean he's chaotic neutral. He's not necessarily going to be evil all the time, but he very much doesn't care about mm. a lot of what other people are doing. Um, and I I think it was you, Chris, who said like Zahak adopts him as an agent of chaos. Essentially, yeah, he's yeah. like I have this tiny destructive thing that will follow me if I protect him. So why not? Bring right. him along and kind of um, revel in the chaos that yes, he creates. Yes, okay. kind of forge a path for me to, as the stronger one of the duo, right. for him to kind of forge a path for me to then just wreak havoc. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so there are there are a couple of questions that the the audience, uh, our listeners, have given uh, us that will flesh out some of those things. But is there any? I'll open up to you guys. Is there any questions that you had for me? Um, we usually open up a, a player to to GM section as well. Are there any questions that you want to ask of me? Is there anything we missed? Any details or, <laughs> or, or like big reveals that we should have found? Anything uh, we just missed, like dodged yeah, completely? And you're like, ah, oh, damn! I wish I wish they had discovered that breadcrumb that I left for them. No, and that's predominantly because I adopted a very different way of writing this season. Yeah, where. I wrote in batches, whereas in I had not written the second recording at the time that we recorded the first recording. Yeah. I then was met, like, I knew dot points. I knew the one thing that I knew for certain, um, and this is something that we'll get into later, but the whole crux of a season was boiling down to me getting you onto the Omen Bringer and having the standoff between Zahark and Arda. I was so you had an end point. And you just I was orchestrating to towards that point. I was like, if I can get just a big standoff between you two, having no idea where Pinch and where Clink were at this point, because at this point I didn't know how attached yeah. they were as secondary characters. Yeah. I just needed you two in that room. And I had different points peppered in, but everything else I was like, I don't quite know. And I want to be malleable to what happens at each recording. Also, I was pressed for time. Yeah. But I was like, let's see what happens if I'm recording, if I'm writing as we go, because there'll be things that I can discover. Dr. Zvoon didn't come in until the night before we recorded. Oh, okay. That was a break where I was like, oh, that's where the story's heading. Um, right, right, right. And Dr. Zvoon is actually um, a character from my casual group. Oh, right. Okay. I, uh, I've got a, a friend, Charlotte, who plays in my casual Starfinder game. And I was like, oh, I need, I want to share. And can I borrow your character, Dr. Right. Zvoon? Can I use her? She gave me her character sheet. And that's what I used for the fight with the glass uh, serpent. Oh, nice. That's so nice. I got to use her character with her permission, which was very lovely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and answer to your question, because of that, because I was able to be more malleable in those moments... I would very much situate... I reckon they're going to do one of a couple of things and I'd accounted for, like, if you do this, I can still get you to here mm. um, sort of thing. So it was actually a lot... I was a lot better prepared. Um, and also, by this point, you guys are very kind and were like, we know where we're going with this so we can, like, head towards that sort yeah. of thing. Is there anything that you're like, 
fully, I don't want to answer that. Like, I want to keep that as open-ended as possible. Like, oh, I'm, I know, happy, to I know I'm we... happy to ask. I'm happy to answer anything. No, but is there anything that you're like, no, I don't. Like, there definitively I want to like keep that open-ended yeah of. there is no answer yeah. to that question it's ambiguous you know what I mean like any kind of big puzzles that like I know some of our fans have been asking oh you know what what's happened here and like or like uh, I, I we've been puzzling a lot of the time about cures for Arda yes. and I'm kind She's of like yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know what I, I mean because I'm like it's one of those things because where we leave in the season it is so open-ended yes um you know but i guess that's that's up to you as the gm i can answer that question if you'd like if you would like yeah there's no cure yeah she eventually will die how long that takes same is (laughs) relatable yeah Yeah. just as any android as well (laughs) like like, i i wanted to explore this idea of like what if like there's a character that's had the choice taken away though like that, that every Android has a choice, a decision, and usually it's like every hundred years or so they go, okay, cool, that's that's it done for me. But you know, and I and I talked about this with yeah. you, um, but I, I thought, you know, what does an Android do with their time now that it it's been chosen for them, and they have don't quite know. Maybe at some point she might figure out exactly how long she has, but other than that, it's it's been it's been a, a choice that's taken away from her, but she has the decision to help others the signal fucked up everybody on the omenbringer would it have done that to the whole of the pack worlds or would it have just triggered the regeneration of all the androids what you saw like the idea behind that is like pretty simple is that you know for every android triggers a renewal for everyone else fucks them up turns them into that it'd be that on a mass scale cool that would have been pretty bad catastrophic Mm. (laughs) the whole and it would have reached across the pack worlds right that's the idea that's the idea so what would you have done if chris was faster and he pressed the button so there is a that is a a question there's a question about that isn't there i I mean i want to know so (laughs) and i'll also just credit them as well um just so we can if you have a question that the players also think guess what you skip the queue (laughs) (laughs) because i need to know inquiring minds need to know yeah (laughs) skyver or skiver 619 um how much different would the ending be if chris won the role instead of ellen apart from the obvious of course i look the pretty simple is like from a this is what i mean by from a mechanics perspective had chris um set off the beacon First of all, the same thing happens. The chase still occurs because the mm. amount of power that it takes to summon this thing, the thing's going to self-destruct. Like, it's going to explode as a result, right? It's so going to tear itself apart during activation. Being able to do that. So that's and number one. And it's also going to wake up all the enemies, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, all yeah. that stays the same. Cool. It becomes a dire ending, though. Like That's it. Literally, he, we He gets what he wants. Everyone gets annihilated. Mm. Like it would have been like I was I I once I decided that the cult of a devourer was involved and I also accepted that Chris was a, like Zahak was a member of that I had to accept and factor in the possibility that we have a nihilistic ending and it would have been the first in role of the cast. So like, we would have like gotten off potentially gotten off the omen bringer it detonated and then we just all would have died yeah, yeah. it's like hey we have a couple minutes to spare what do you, <laughs> yeah. you want to do this you is would a- have had one more role play moment <laughs> and this is my my question Ooh. for karma as well because obviously pinch yes. is like very very chaotic mm-hmm. but to me seems like thinks very much in the now mm-hmm. and not like longer oh, term yeah. like is on board with the the idea of like oh this is this thing is just like gonna affect androids like What's that realization that it's like, no, 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 you died too? Like, is yeah. Pinch still on board with that? Because I get the sense that he wouldn't be, but I'm not 
the ca- I'm not the player or the character. No, you're absolutely right. And I think <laughs> there's one moment where I say it in the second to last episode, but it doesn't get... Then a lot's happening, so I don't think <laughs> yeah. it doesn't get delved into. You say that, you're um, like, Kristen actually answered that. So. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. hang on, I need to do a... Perce- like, or a... Whatever, yeah. whatever it was, like, in, uh, sense motive Perce- yeah, sense on Zahark to figure out if we're still on the same <laughs> side, because very much Pinch... And, and this is also kind of the reverse of what I was explaining before about why Zahark likes Pinch... The reason Pinch likes Zahark is obviously he serves as really good protection for Pinch, who loves to get himself into dangerous situations and then barely, you know, squeeze out of them. Um, And so he also is not... Pinch didn't have any interest in... He has no interest in other people's kind of religions and other people's, like, you know, that kind of thing. He's never thought to really delve that deep. So he's like, I understand you want to cause destruction and chaos. (laughs) I'm here for that. And then the Not second when destruction and chaos affects me. The second one, <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. but they're literally what you were saying before we started recording. Ellen is like, once pitch is like, wait, there are, co- <laughs> there are consequences for me. I'm out. Which, <laughs> like, which if Chris had succeeded in the role, would yeah. have been like, you'd have one, maybe like one minute before yes. pitch dies to be like, wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the fuck? I think, I think, I don't know what happens in that situation, but I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if Pinch even is trying to get off the ship at that point. I think he's just trying to comprehend that it, like, the end is coming for him now, and he's like, "Hang on a minute, this is not, this is not how it was supposed to go." Yeah. Um. So yeah, in that moment, it's like he still appreciates, you know, the connection he's got with Zahak and all of that, but he's like, "Well, hang on, I was here for about eighty percent of what you were saying, and then you really lost me at the last hurdle." <laughs> um. Even if there was a way for Pinch and Zahak to have survived and no one else to have survived Pinch is not interested in a world where there's no conflict for him to fight against yeah, and yeah. there's nothing for him to do that's interesting to him <laughs> yeah. you know he if there's no one to rob then you know if there's <laughs> no one the point? if there's no enemy to just escape from like yeah, barely yeah. make it out of then it's not exciting for him so yeah. what was um what was favourite moments for people It's a lot. It's, it was a very, it was a very fun season. Like absolutely. I just like all the whooping and cheering at, at the end is like indicative of how high the stakes were, the tension, everything like flying past the fact that there was like a mystery, action, adventure. Like it really is just a night, a nice, neat little package of like so many of the the wonderful staples of sci-fi. I mean, I I personally really enjoyed like I I said this before recording I love Clink I like again <laughs> yeah. if Clink has zero fans I'm dead <laughs> but like it, it, it was the like in between all the action packed stuff I love the quiet contemplative moments of this season that really kind of like helped cinch into that central theme of, of legacy and death and meaning and, and finding meaning even though the end is is near or the, the sort of Damocles is always like hanging over your head um, and the little scene between Arda and Clink where Clink is really upset about not being able to find a cure. Yes, and I they, was going to highlight that scene. And they well. just kind of they they talk it out, and it's a really it's a really little lovely meditation on meaning and and um, who we leave behind and, and and how we affect each other's lives. What being a friend means, and like 
being kind of helpless when you're a friend. I think we can all, yes, it's sci-fi, right? But we can all relate, I think, to sometimes when someone you love, um, you care about deeply in whatever kind of relationship is going through something and you want to help them, but you just, you don't have the capacity or it's not a problem that can be helped. Mm. It's just something you have to be there for. Yeah. Um, and and I, it felt very human to me that that, exploring that with you it felt really grounded and I, I really brought a dimension to the character that I really really liked yeah um, I personally liked the planet hopping it's hard to find like moments but I like the fact that it took us Absalom Station Eoxian Wastes like uh, I loved the creepy abandoned facility I thought it was atmospheric as balls it was great <laughs> um, you know the diaspora uh, and and the the river and the vortex oh, that's the there, river. Uh, the space fish. Yeah, I think you really captured those like the set pieces, like the feeling of the sci-fi locations. So I loved like turning up somewhere new every time, and just like uh, I, I found myself over and over again this season, just like closing my eyes and just like listening to description and just like really being transported. Yeah, so I those, spent work on describing this. They time. were great. <laughs> they were really super good. Like every time we arrived somewhere, it was like, oh yeah, tingles. So those are my some of my favorite bits. Was those those exposition moments, the 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 planet reveal when you drop out of hyperspace, you know, eox. Yeah, that sound. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked the space fish. Um, space salmon or spammon, as I'd like to call them. Uh, on a serious note, um, I think the the intercharacter moments were were some of the strongest. Um, I really enjoyed Pinch in the very early moments, um, jumping up on Zahak's shoulders uh, and being kind of like ten foot tall. I thought that was real yeah. fun. Um, he I, likes to feel tall. Yeah, yeah, he does. Oh, we should be remiss if we didn't base the characters partly on Junkrat and Roadhog from the Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The I should have said that earlier. That was when I was reading the source book for the first time and reading the Yosoki, and I went, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is Junkrat, who's my favorite Overwatch character. And so I was like, perfect. I know exactly what I'm doing here. Nice. Um, I would also say the His big, scary friend, the ape meat. Yeah, that was quite fun. <laughs> that was good fun. Um, the the diatribe that I gave, which one? Um, the the fucking prophecy on the ship was a lot of fun. Um, where I fucking picked up what Sean was putting down. So when the the little hologram popped up the first time, and it was about the the planet, I think it was. I know it was her uh, head. It, it was it was it was it was Arda's bust, and then That's but it right. was coming up from the red and black disc. Yeah, and the red and black disc was the the symbol, symbol of, of the cult uh, of the devourer. And so I clocked that. Sean went into a nice bit of description, and I was like, "Holy fuck, this is about my character's religion. Fuck yeah, this is gonna be a cool story." And 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 so when we. <laughs> We're in the when we're in the drift, uh, ranting and raving like it's been prophesied. Uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, being inside a big tummy. Was the best cool. part was I hadn't clued like me karma had not clued into that being a culture of the devourer sign. And so when Chris in character is like the prophecy is coming true, Pinch had to be like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't care because <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Oh, that dinner scene. We're like um, so about the cult. Uh, yeah. How yeah. into that are you? Yeah. 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 How invested are you? <laughs> are you a practicing cultist? Is it just like a membership? Is it like high seasons? Like non-practicing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you just a 
cultural holidays cultural only. Cultural yeah. Yeah. I absolutely should have fucking spaced you at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Your answer is not sufficient. Please Come get on. on my ship. <laughs> what about you? Well, that is what I was going to say. Is one of mine is the dinner sequence and. Uh, pinch stealing everybody else's food um, <laughs> is one of my favourite moments um, just because it was, you know, I had that awesome sleight of hand bonus and I used it every chance I got and so that and also the very early the very early moment of stealing from the Vesk um, who was selling ah! selling <laughs> yeah, selling the uh, curry to Arda um, where I got my magic space rocks from, um, That's right. which then became important later on when I used them as a bargaining chip so I liked that little through line there but also I just loved the ending sequence like it's also fresh because just listen to it but I loved that it was a chance to use some of our cool skills and abilities without it necessarily being combat and doing things that we wouldn't really have the chance to do in combat because you're so focused on doing the specific end goal yeah Uh, you just got we just got time to kind of show off and, and be fun with it which I really really enjoyed what what is the d- I have a question. <laughs> sure. Going back. What is the deal with Regis saying random words? Oh cool. yeah, that was yeah. my question. Because <laughs> I wrote them all down what and then the- they didn't is, mean anything. That is the one thing you missed. Um is the one Ooh. thing you missed because it's embedded in the season. At the very beginning, when I first described Regis, they were originally taken off market for being buggy. Mm. Right, yeah. Being yeah. very buggy and you found one. So it's a fucking buggy AI it's just that you've bad. got. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's there to make you think there's something, but there's actually not. There's oh, just I a buggy AI yeah. that I just popped into the beginning there. It, be was, like, it was like infrequent enough. It's just like, what? Yeah. yeah. Once you've forgotten about it, I'll bring it back. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think there was only maybe three total. I think so. Because yeah. I wrote them down and then I was looking at this and I was like, if this means something, we've completely missed yeah. a huge clue because this my is not connecting. thing to watch people writing it down and be like, it means fucking nothing, man. Uh, and then we were like, uh, did you just say X? And like, nope. He'd nope. always be like, I said this and say the completely normal part. And you're like, okay. Oh, yeah, I've got Regis banana ca- cascading error. Banana yes. cascading. Banana cascading. Um, yeah, Galactic I I, hammer. Galactic hammer. Yeah, I guess from that, I think maybe I just assumed, yeah, you were... You busted. Shit, AI. You just, just <laughs> Maybe I should have tried to fix you, but yeah, I you never did. So never like, did. You, yeah. you never fixed that rat <laughs> part of the charm. Yeah, that's but right. Exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say my my favorite moment is like honestly, it's the fact that you all picked up the breadcrumbs. There's a thing that I'm obviously most like hesitant about on being a GM is being because you want to be subtle with some things and not just spoon feed everything. But it, like, because even from the aspect of like saying, oh, um, mentioning uh, in the holo video with Sifo uh, when you first meet her, there's the orange and yellow like buzzing glow. And then I leave that there. And then I describe in the free markets and then there's a couple of lights and one of them's buzzing. And for a moment there, you're all like, now I have no idea until Phil finally goes wait a minute and <laughs> yeah. I was like oh so it's like moments of elation like that that yeah. kind of like validate the storytelling to go cool like the cult of a devourer stuff seeing Chris click on that and also I think the biggest one for me is ties into Arda's um, Ellen's favourite points because the whole reason the impetus for me making the story is that I am death is my number one fear and I wanted to explore that I wanted to explore death and legacy and like the ending of everything as a theme. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Because I hate it. So I wanted to explore what that's like. Somebody that knows that their time is ending and what do they do with that time? Especially when they don't know how much time is left. Mm. So I thought that was just very like... It was good to have characters that can come along with that. Mm. But as far as my favorite actual moment, um, the fucking 10 minute video uh, monologue that I gave that just kind of peppered in the story. That also then peppered in the glass serpent that you all clocked, but then forgot enough that by the time yes. it comes in the end, because like if I pepper it in early enough, they should hopefully forget it because they'll be engaged mm. by the revelation of Arda stuff. Then I can bring it back and in. Forget yeah. we did. Always just assume there's more time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember writing down. Uh, we need to go to low power. We mode. need to go to low power. High power equals danger. Cr- underlining it multiple times and then getting lost in the rest of it and being like, hmm. I wonder what I was writing. I'm sure it's not important. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing everyone write it down. I was like, fuck. Just keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Should we go into some listener questions? Let's. Yes. Nice. Okay. Oh. See you guys. <laughs> uh, question for Chris mostly. And this is an interesting one because I know what I feel like happens to the characters after. Um, does Arda make it back to the no wrong answers? Basically, what do you envision happened with um, Arda and Zahark post uh, the ending of the season? And this comes from AZ. I think the answer to that question is entirely in Ellen's court. Um, like I said earlier, um, Zahark's kind of motivations uh, are super shiftable um, in terms of like how he, he goes about it. We didn't get a scene with Arda and Zahark alone, no. which I was kind of gunning for. Um, which it kind of set my character up for in kind of service of the protagonist to, to do that. Um, so in this moment, uh, I think the answer is, does Arda accurately or effectively espouse the merits of kindness, compassion, love, um, not giving up, not feeling, like trying to make meaning in potentially a meaningless universe or, or knowing that there is meaning or, or whatever. If she doesn't, uh, Zahak reverts to his nihilism and his his apathy and his his kind of hate towards the fact that there is no meaning. Uh, and if she does, then then he he has a change of heart. Um, yeah. So it, it was fair. It's fairly easy to convince Zahak he's he's wrong. Nihilism all the way. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm absolutely <laughs> kidding. No, 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 no. I think Arda's whole thing is hinged about curiosity uh, and learning. Um, learning about others and trying to squeeze as much out of life as possible and because of that she has to believe that people can change and not only that there is the actual data that Zahark did save her life and she saved Zahark's and yes. and there is this, exactly there is this sense there that that 
nothing is ever writ in stone. So yeah, I, it would be it would be a very tense. You know, a yeah. tense ride back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the question tense. is, does Arda make it back? Right. It's like, do you? Do you? Does she drop dead right there? <laughs> no, like, I think the, I think the question the is leading at like, does the Hulk, does the Hulk kill yeah. Arda? Yes. Which I don't think he does. I, I mean, it's that it's that answer, still right? Put up yeah. a fight. Does she? I mean, Zahak wins in a in a combat stat wise. Mm-hmm. I've started my character got, in a really fucked up I've bullshit got some way. Pretty good spells. I think strength. 16 does yeah but you think he would Um, come to that no and and that's my thing it could it depends it's really on you know Arda as a character to to espouse the merits of being a good person Uh, if she doesn't do it well and doesn't doesn't convince him then he kills her and eats her and flies off to probably find Pinch and try and and find the cult again if she does uh, then he becomes tempered and be- begins an existential crisis mm. uh, which is using his faith and yeah, we'll go through a yeah, whole yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and is guided by her towards something different uh, something else takes and- some convincing to let Clink back have Clink let him back on the ship well it's funny you mention that because in my head if, if we were to ever go towards a season 2 I would love to like look at a version of it where they actually did at the ending of the um, season find that they went their separate ways like Mm. all four yeah but it would be in the same groupings as the chase like it would be like what happens in the year that there are Zahark and Arda adventures and where they learn to like deal because they are they're intrinsically linked now Mm. and they need to navigate through that it's literally the adventures of Regis and Clink for a while. <laughs> and Dex. Like, and it's Dex. this weird trio, right? Yeah. And then, like, ha- does um, Pinch, like, what would it be like Pinch without Zahark for a while? Mm. Whether it's back with the free captains or doing their own thing. Like, then there's interesting stories you could tell individually before you then bring them all back together. Mm. So I think it would be fascinating to, like... Get in the comments. Request a season two. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's always, you know, the feeling with games like this because they're usually geared to like groups to play casually for years to come you know that that a party coming apart like that and a story going in separate ways is like a big no-no you can't tell that kind of story but we don't really have that issue we can have even if we did come back for season two like you say we can have the characters grow independently for a while before bringing them back or bring back slightly different characters. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot you can do with it when you're not kind of tied to it being like a home game where everyone has to participate every single week. That was definitely something I really enjoyed about the season in general and enjoyed about it being a product for entertainment was knowing there was a finite ending, obviously, like especially for for Chris and I's characters and stuff like that, uh, it does just open it up so more to be like, we can be evil. We can be fucking evil <laughs> yeah. because it doesn't matter that we stay together for, for, like you said, years and years. Yeah. What matters is we tell an interesting one shot of a story. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, AZ continues on. This is a question for Phil. Oh. How does it feel to still be the DM with the PC kills? Um, yeah. You wait. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I, this, this obviously has been commented on quite a few times. Uh, Look, I don't go out to kill people. Uh, I, I, I try to make a good challenge. I try to make it dangerous where it's supposed to be dangerous. And sometimes people die. <laughs> He's um, being modest, guys. Had... He's the evil one at the party. <laughs> we've had a lot of close calls. Had... Like we were just talking today about we had we had it's several close calls. close calls in Pulp Cthulhu. So Sean nearly offed at least one character yes. there. But we just... 
like and 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 one was a com- not like not ass pull like from you but like ass pull from the the mechanics like just you know scraping the bottle of barrel the of, mechanic of, version of holding on by your fingertips yeah yes. yeah like I mean, it was a, literally a 50 50 chance whether chris survived um among the dust or not yeah yeah, when we true. came down to the, one roll. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm ready for other people to start doing the killing. <laughs> hey, I tried. Here I go killing again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I still haven't died. I would like to die. That would be great. Don't worry, Phil. Uh, it will happen. <laughs> hey, hey I've got, got news for you, buddy. It's yeah. coming for I got, us all. I got some good news. I got some bad news. Oh, sick. Yeah. Um, and you didn't like Zahak as a character. <laughs> the, shit, the shit sandwich. The real life No, no. I, I, I was saying there was some bleed that yeah. from yeah. like mm. from Clink. Clink was mad at Zahak, mm. and I felt that for like a week after recording. Yes. I like Zahak as a character. I think it's great concept. Uh, we've answered part of this, but this comes from Aramithius. Um, by the way, all of this comes from our Roadcast Discord, so get in the Roadcast Discord get in the to Discord. ask these sort of questions. Um, so yeah, Zahark's emergence as a devourer cultist feels like an interesting part of the story that at first was almost an exposition machine, and then as quasi-antagonist. Was this something planned from the start? If not, how did Zahark's revelation with the plot involved? We've kind of answered that. We've touched on how I kind of formulated the story and then kind of retrofitted it to Zahark's involvement with the cult. Um, like this was and just to touch on that as well is that there was a version of a story where it actually was the Eoxians right because it just makes right. sense they yes. can be utilised as well they're, they're kind of tied to life and death and, and the undead as well yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with the emergence of Zahark and the cult I go would still make sense to use them as a smoke screen because everyone would believe that it's the Eoxians yeah. of yes. course they would yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it made sense there was a time when you you all still thought it was you yes. distrusted the Eoxians from the beginning and I was like good yeah, yeah I mean they're inherently kind of like suspicious types yeah. they're undead they're undead. They, yeah. they have necromancers. The, their so. their their values are kind of an inversion yeah. of yeah. your standard yeah. heroic tropes. So naturally, you're like, mm, I'm not sure these guys are on the level. I was yeah. going to say, there's the there's the because death is so interwoven in in this story. But there's the, the there's the thing of subverting death, but like it's not just a challenge over death. It's 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 a question of of meaning and and a, a welfare of life mm. rather. So you have that kind of like. Um, uh, juxtaposition of you know the the characters, so it's, it's natural to, for the for all of the characters to be like these Eoxians yeah. are a bit fucked. Uh, even if we also want to combat death, this <laughs> is not the way. Yeah, I mean, the more I spoke to them, the the more the kind of sympathetic they seem. Well, yeah, yeah and the Oxians as well were the first to join the the pact. Yeah, they were the first planet to be like, yeah, we'll join, we'll engage in mutual trade and security, and yeah. everyone's like, really? I still don't trust them. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I I was on board from the time that uh, there was the the moment where Arda spoke to them privately, and you mm. spoke to the leader privately. Yeah, yeah. Gavalask. Gavalask. Yeah. yeah, and he gives back the. He, the, nice. he gave back the data pad straight away, and he was like, "I just wanted to look at it. Everything's good." Like, yeah. I was yeah. like, "Yeah, okay." They. This was a data pad not, of a very close friend of yes, mine. Yes, and it's also like it's not their fault they're skeletons. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> it's not their fault they just want to live. Their they're fault so spoopy. I mean, it kind of is. Kinda is. <laughs> it's a choice. I don't mean I to mean, be skeleton <laughs> racist, but it is kind of their fault. You're being bonus. They just want, being bonus. They just wanted to live a little longer. Um, uh, but jumping it's back, very sympathetic. That yeah. question as well. Um, it was fairly easy. I think Sean and I have played together for nearly four years now, right? Yeah, so about that. I can pick 
up what he's putting down pretty yeah. quick and and i knew my role about that time when i knew the sigil i was like oh i understand now i kind of get what i'm supposed to do in this game uh let's see if what that is uh in in kind of full depth but uh, i i kind of had a heads up yeah. yeah and as i said i'm just trying to get down to that one moment of of the the standoff and i fucking yeah, got it you got that yeah. um uh, also by arimetheus um how does it feel playing a sci-fi setting with almost entirely unadjusted magic from my perspective it sat a little awkwardly but i'm curious what the play and thematic experience of it was like also worth mentioning this is science fantasy to be specific yeah. so it's a very deliberate melding of uh tech and magic um and yeah. kind of like sci-fi themes so it's, it definitely sits in the science fantasy rather than a strict sci-fi like a blade runner or a mm. star it, trek it felt like more technologically based the season well, i definitely it lead was, more yeah. into that yes. it was labs and and experiments and there's a little bit of mysticism and obviously there were spells and we kind of revered our gods we made sure our that was kind of in there so i don't know if that that makes the magic stuff a bit awkward that we pushed it aside or something but i didn't feel like it was a weird fit Mm -hmm. um i mean i think the whole because the whole setting is based around that idea it's it's internally consistent to me so i don't really mind it yeah yeah reminds me of star wars of just like you know you have your your space cowboys and your space wizards and and the both of them have a, a equal place in the story, and yes. and not only that, it, it's a really good way to play off uh, people's beliefs because you know you have people who go, "I've never been." The, the universe is so vast that it's like, "Well, I've never been touched by this. This is like not part of my culture or or faith or religion or, or anything like that." And and you can have someone you know across the stars who goes, "Well, this is baked into my culture, and it always has been." and and this is just a different way that the world works for mm. us. So yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I I always see it being kind of part and, and and parcel, as well as like a lot of the magic I used was kind of techno. Yours was very tech based, based, so yeah. it yes. kind of made sense as a, as an android. So and yeah. it is a setting that lends itself to go. Here's a lot of tech. Here's a lot of magic. You can choose what part you engage with to tell your story. And so yeah. I deliberately honed in on a specific set. That's definitely what I did. I I didn't want to be a magic user character, but I was also as someone who likes the technology side of it more. It was very easy to go. Well, there's aliens, and there's you know hundreds of different planets with different species. Some of them have powers that not everyone will understand. If you want to call that magic, cool. Otherwise. It's just a type of technology that's like a little bit more abstract than ours. Yeah, you know? I just think I also just love the kind of license it it gives the creators. I love things like the vortex and the diaspora and the whole idea of Eox and and remixing undead into their own mm. planet nation thing. I think yeah. it's worth any kind of awkwardness to get that kind of creativity. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely not science fiction in the strictest. It's no. space fantasy. Yeah. It's a space opera. It's not yeah. the expanse, right? No, no, no. It's closer, like you say, to Star Wars yeah. or yeah. to um, you have yeah, yeah the Force and to, to Mass Effect, where there are psionics, or even something like uh, uh, Warhammer Forty K or, or Star yes. yeah. uh, Starcraft. You know, uh, where there are psionics or, or, yeah. or things yeah. like that, yeah. uh, or the warp. Or, science fantasy is definitely yeah. where it sits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll pay my respects to some of the people who have asked questions that, are, that we've kind of answered a little bit if we have any little extra little bits we'll rock yeah, through some sure. of these um, so Hurricane Hawk asked us the same question that they've asked us uh, on previous iterations of this show uh, what was your favourite single piece of roleplay from the season we've touched on a few of those are there any other um, highlights that we wanted to bring up I really enjoyed uh, the murder talk that was fun 
being able to go full nihilist <laughs> on a character is is uh, is is a delight to play. Uh, I don't get to do it terribly often. Yeah. Uh, so so that was fun. I loved every piece of Regis interaction I got to do. I yeah. Feel like, especially like also Love that fl- little robot. Also flexing like the capabilities of Regis, especially like developing a friend in Arda, I think was fun. I think mm. Regis giving Arda advice was one of my personal favorites of the season. Mm. I like yeah. the free captains. I thought they were cool characters yeah. uh, with cool voice work. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. What's a pinch? Just doing stupid shit. It's very <laughs> fun. Like you know, just the the whole. I still can't get over guns in the the mouth pouch because like. I believe I asked, and you said there's like no, like there's no, like the safety's not off. Oh no, like, no, they're I ready need, to fire. I need the I, fastest access. And I was just possible. like, I was like, I'm wondering if there's like a crit fail, whether a gun will like just shoot through Pitch's cheek or Jesus something. I was Christ. just, I was like, I was ready for that mm-hmm. kind of ready chaos. For yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, and yeah, of course, Pinch with the the space rocks and how devastated he was when he needed to give them up. His only like genuine moment, honestly. I know, it was so funny and so sweet and I, yeah, I was here for it. But my favourite favourite is our our conversation. I just remember you giving like a little fist bump bump afterwards and I was like, ooh, Um, there's there's an extra aspect of this question that Tiger Claw asked. So first, why did Zahark and Pinch join the No Wrong Answers and did their characters have any inkling of the importance of Arda Prime? I would say from the get-go, no. Um, because definitely not the importance of no. her. That never even no. crossed Pinch's mind no. at all. I think you joined us because I uh, advertised for crew on the on Absalom <laughs> station yeah, and you answered. Cheap. I was going to yeah. say, for, for Pinch, the answer is what it always is, which is money. Yeah. Um, it seemed Red like picks. Yeah, it seemed like a great place to just bunker down for a bit while I'd, I, you know, I'd left the free captains. I didn't have a lot else going on. And... <laughs> You and know. a lot of it's still morally grey, so it's not like you're going straight. Like, there's still no. like certain things you do that are like, this isn't no. technically Joining this lawful. crew was never him thinking, this is the end of my life of crime. <laughs> it was like, well, maybe it's a little bit more legit, but ultimately these these people are looking into... Clearly you guys have already starting to look into some very mysterious stuff around Arda, and, and he wants to see where that might lead, and it might... might get him somewhere interesting i think as well uh they're adventurers they go on adventures they've gone on adventures before uh and adventurer is just a fancy way of saying um a murder tourist um <laughs> we go to strange new planets and we kill people there uh so Zahak is down for that plus uh they don't seem to be terribly emotionally intelligent when it comes to uh sensing <laughs> motives yeah which, no neither of yeah, us i think that would have been a win for which both is of us. pretty <laughs> fucking great i can imagine the the meeting where it's like oh cool i've got a bead on you guys well i'm just gonna move my shit in <laughs> And, it, and oh, there might okay. have been a tiny bit of like, oh, oh my goodness, that's moving fast. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are we going next? Yeah. Right, and it's we, like, uh, just like push past. We and settled kind of, in like we've been there forever. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. rather direct yeah. these two. Yeah. 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 It must be yeah. a cultural thing. Yeah, and, and those sorts of excuses and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can imagine that's the kind of context of like. Pinch liking that he can be his true bizarre self and people aren't going to question it for the first time. It yeah. fits in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, not absolutely. the weirdest person well, on this I'm not the weird one. I love it. I think you discovered what importance Arda had, like, along with the rest of, of us, course, right? Of course, yeah. Yes. At the same time, the wheel did, Arda. really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the over-archiver asks, um, for me, uh, was it planned for Seafell to die? And if not, what plans or interactions involving her could we have gone to see if she had survived the free market shootout? Uh, that was one of those things that I accounted for. It was, if Seafell dies, Seafell dies. Uh, if Seafell doesn't, 
she leads you to the Eoxian embassy. Uh, she gets like taken away into like deep undercover. They're they're there to protect her, right? So mm. she's like taken in by the Eoxian. She's in the witness protection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She gives you the um the data pad freely, um, but doesn't get time to like give you the importance of it before they whisk her away because she's still in fucking danger. Mm. Um, and then you would have actually gotten a message from Gevalask Noah, um, during like later in the adventure because the way that. Uh, transmissions work is they're not live you get them is that she was assassinated oh Oh, so she does die she will die the plan is for her to die and then and then what I was hoping at that point is if you get that message from Givalask Nor you then suspect the Eoxians again yeah that would have turned us fully back to the Eoxians and you're on Eox so then just that that was that little thing I was gonna put in but because she died I'm like oh this kind of saves me having to do that does she feel bad about what she did oh yeah she I mean the reason that she she seems she's pretty remorseful she's remorseful and like couldn't even look at Arda yeah Yeah, yeah. I remember that whole sequence early on being like literally I was like (laughs) she's got something about androids turns out it was just Arda which is like yeah but I I was totally yeah like oh yep this is my first experience because like people find androids weird and off-putting and I was like ah cool this is like you know not a not a not a new experience no it's that person I tortured yeah (laughs) Uh, ah well and how was I to suspect if you if you guess that right off the bat you're a fucking what if you just gone up to her and been like you did this to me, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> did what? She doesn't even know. <laughs> People do find androids weird and annoying. We should get rid of them. <laughs> find some way of getting rid of all of them at the same time. Man, if you hadn't have engaged with that. Every <laughs> fucking other person on the fucking universe ever. I love when I... universe, new universe. It reminds me so much of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, why yep. would you care if the universe is... Because like, I'm one of the idiots I'm, who lives in it. See, fucking yeah. <laughs> But I love there's that moment. Um, actually, that that might be a question I have for you, Chris. Yo. Um, real quick, is I were you just straight up lying to Pinch because I ask in that moment. Yes. Pinch, yes. Pinch, this is my question too. Oh great! I was like, Pinch doesn't want to die. Does Zahak have a way out for the two of them? And your only answer was. Uh, Zahak is not suicidal. Zahak is not suicidal. And then you refuse to say any more. So, so what was that about? Less, yeah. here's, here's two answers like to that question. Calling, right? Here's two answers to that question. One, Chris misunderstood what Sean was talking about and fundamentally <laughs> did believe Good. that it would only be the androids. Right, right. So my whole turn on Zahak, you didn't understand why it was happening. Uh, I, I thought you had. A, I thought that was a legitimate question, and I thought I had the read of the situation. I see. And so I was like. Oh no! It will just be the androids. It's cool. Uh, and then uh, my in-character Chris is not uh, misunderstanding Sean. The, the it, canon it reason is um, uh, no. Zahak is not suicidal. You you detected that correctly. So he's gonna. We're gonna escape through the fucking portal that springs up every six months. That's a oh. gamble, but yeah, That's, you could have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I have predicted it will open in the next four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if it doesn't? Well, you won't be able to do anything about it. Yeah, I'm, you won't know any difference. And what if it doesn't? And Zahak's like, then it will be too late. Yeah. I, mean, I thought you were just doing like a semantic dodge where you're like, well, yeah. I'm not suicidal. Well, I'll die as a consequence. Well, yeah. I'm not suicidal. Like, I'm homicidal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just like you know, would would if, that, if that's your greater calling? Yeah. Like that's not. That's not suicide. Like you know, would that's you, self-sacrifice. Would, exactly. Yeah. Would you see the ascension? You know, being. Y- yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. Like my, I saw that it was on my that in-character assumption was he means it as 
uh, he will go to whatever afterlife the cult of the devourer believes in. Yes. And that's Pinch realizing, I'm not part of your fucking religion. <laughs> I'm going to die. Yeah, so, wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Are there plus ones? <laughs> uh, plus one to heaven? or? Yes, there are. New universe, baby. <laughs> we got a, f- a few other comments that were less questions, but were more like lovely, positive affirmations oh, that we've uh, got from people. Out, and shall we? We will quickly rocket through them because we are we are heading over time. So one of them comes from over archiver, which is um a particular favorite was the Hark episode sixteen. That's all they'll say because spoilers. Listen to the episode if you haven't. I can't remember. I mean, this whole thing is a spoiler. Absolutely chilling. Also, the finale was really cool, especially in terms of mechanics, which usually isn't the main reason I listen to RTC brackets the characters and story moments and all that are, but they absolutely shone, shined. Whatever, you get the point. I feel like sixteen is where you convince Doctor Spoon that all is lost. Oh yes, 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 yes. It's messed up. Wow, that's dark. Messed up, yeah. Um, a couple of the other ones. Let's just rocket, uh, rocket through those like a spaceship. Uh, really loved how the chase mechanics played out. That was by Jason Elias. Uh, the overarchiver also said uh, the whole sequence was awesome. In particular, I love how the players directly affected the narrative, described the areas they found themselves in, etc. Oh, didn't someone ask where you got that from? Uh, Jason Ellis asks this question. Ah, Jason Ellis. Uh, I changed it up a bit, but it comes from Starfinder's first adventure path, which is uh, Dead Sons, which is, again, a whole story around the cult of a devourer completely different from that there's a whole chase sequence where they're being chased by dinosaurs um so there's a they're on castrofell the jungle planet and they're chased by dinosaurs and they have to it's a stampede essentially and so i took the both tables one for the uh the dm and the gm rather and one for the players and i changed up a few of them changed the wording of a few of them changed some of the stats but the thing was basically the same you have to get 12 successes between the four of you um, for certain things and that's how you got it so that's where I got it from I grabbed that because that was my soul for I always knew I wanted you to face a horde but I didn't know how to do that without just going into combat against a thousand mm, people without creating a been... total party kill and I also didn't want to do like a Pulp Cthulhu style like chase sequence and then I found these mechanics in a, mm. when I deep dived into the book I was like fucking perfect I was also wondering so Skyver619 asks is Pinch gone forever? Rejoin the free captains. Maybe they turn him in for a bounty. Does he regroup with the no long answers? Is it up for me to decide on my headcanon? So what do you think Pinch does next? If you would like to make your own third party. Yeah. <laughs> if you would like to tell Pinch. me what Pinch does there next, I am taking suggestions. <laughs> I I don't to narrow it down slightly, because I don't know exactly what he does, but I don't because he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, he, he very rarely knows what he's about to do next until it's happening, and then he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm in the middle of something. Um, I don't think he fully rejoins the free captains because they're a bit too structured for him. He doesn't love yeah. all those rules. Um, Your free captain's not free enough. No, not free enough. <laughs> he's like, you don't want me to betray you guys, and I can't hold to that. <laughs> I'm not committing to that. Don't, don't pin me down like that. Yeah. Um, wow, you he, ask for so much. He's like, sure, I'll be a free captain, fingers crossed behind his back. But yeah, other than that, I'd so whatever the wear of the wind blows. Yeah, honestly, yeah, whatever looks sense. the most enticing next. Wherever he literally yeah. just goes to another planet and tries yeah. to probably, start again. Probably, yeah. yeah. That pretty much brings us to the end of a season. First of all, thank like genuinely thank you guys so much for coming coming along with the story and making it Aww, very fucking easy to tell so, yeah. a sci-fi so well story. Told. Um, yes, and it it like gets to a point where it's like, oh, there was just moments where I could just literally step back 
and let you guys role play and that's so much fun and like so much of a privilege to be able to do just be like oh cool they know their characters they know the story I can just let them fucking roll and a big congratulations to you Sean because you not only ran the game you also edited the game uh, you edited the podcast which I I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity if you listener out there loved this season consider going to our Patreon so we can financially support Sean and his <laughs> Herculean effort Herculean effort um, every every episode roughly takes two to three times that long to edit it is that about right Sean like yeah, there you oh go. Goodness. He's so tired. He's so tired like, from doing it I would it say minimum four hours. There you go. Max six. There you go. Every every episode. So if you if you all like those cool that, sound effects you heard, yeah. all that growling from the zombies. He did, he did that. He, he did some Sean, foley for this episode. That's Sean growling in the last. That's me in my house. Ha- my other <laughs> housemate Yama. We spent just ten minutes in here going. Yeah. Did I help at all? <laughs> I kept yours in in spirit (laughs) so if you want to support that if you want to uh, congratulate that or thank that uh, head to our Patreon we really really appreciate it every single member of our Patreon uh, has our thanks our gratitude and our, our, our love so thank you to everyone who supported us and made this season possible but of course we aren't done Uh, Let's talk about what's going to be happening over the next couple of weeks. So for those of you uh, in the know, uh, after the postseason episode, we always have an interview episode and we do have that lined up. Uh, (laughs) We better have. Um, And so myself and Ellen will be sitting down with James L. Sutter. Now, James L. Sutter was there from the very beginning of Starfinder, involved with Paizo Publishing between 2004 and 2017 as their very first creative director for the Starfinder game and was essential in launching the game from the ground up and their early creative direction. So we'll get to talk to them on where they were, what they did, and where they are now. Great way to kind of just delve into the mind of another creative mind behind your favourite TTRPGs. Yeah, we love doing that. But the and week then. after that, <laughs> I, will, uh, I will pass over to Ellen to talk about what is going to be Season 9. Yes, yeah, so it's back back, uh, back to me. It's 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 my seat, uh, my turn in the GM seat again for Roll to Cast. And we will be doing Die. The RPG written by Kieran Gillen, illustrated by Stephanie Hans, and produced by Rowan Rook and Deckard Games. It is a dark fantasy about very, very flawed people in the real world who sit down to play a tabletop role-playing game and find that the game is playing them a little bit. Goth Jumanji. It's Goth (laughs) Jumanji. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. And not only um, uh, uh, we bid adieu to our wonderful guest, Karma, who has been amazing. As always, it's always a pleasure to have him here in the studio. Um, And we will be welcoming two new guest players, which is very, very exciting. Two Uh, more uh, Adelaide-based performers. Yes, yep. yes, yes. We have uh, uh, Max Garcia Underwood. Who you who, may remember that voice. Exactly. That yeah, that name. Uh, uh, he has somewhat appeared on Rollercast before because he scored our season of The Witcher, TTRPG. His, his beautiful music uh, um, scores that season. And we have Luna Godfrey, who is uh, an amazing Adelaide-based TTRPG person. Uh, you might know her as Lou Boffin um, uh, on Twitch. Uh, she's recently done a whole slew of Jasper's Game Day. But yeah, very, very, very awesome TTRPG person and yeah so it, it's a again a new uh, a new for Roll to Cast because we've got 
two guest Woo. stars. So two Woo. for the price of one. I know. Yeah, we got a Some great deal. Great deal. It was a good get. Good find. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that that will be after our interview. So stay tuned for that. So thank you all so much. Thank you, Karma. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Thanks, everyone. We're looking forward to seeing you next week and then beyond that for another season. Woo. We'll see you all later. Tell a friend. Bye. You have been listening to Among the Dust, which is a Roll to Cast production. The best way to find us is on Twitter, Discord, and our Patreon. All our podcasts are on Acast, Spotify, YouTube, and all good podcatchers. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash roll to cast. Starfinder and all associated properties are trademark of Paizo Incorporated, authorized through Paizo's community use policy. The way I kind of envision it is I'm thinking of three things simultaneously. So I've got that melody and I'm not sure what... Instrumentation's hard, so I kind of just have to go by the pitch of my voice. I don't like that triplet, actually. No, see, I don't like that. No, I don't like it going down either. See, that's what I mean. What's my trial and error is like. Um, and you might find what works better, but I believe it's more... Ah, every time. One sec. I imagine that going over it. Um, there you go. That's a wild process. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.